Welcome to Let the Boys Kiss, the creation of queer ships, where we ask the question, is it queer baiting, queer coding, or queer canon? This week, we'll be discussing comedies. I'm Maddie. And I'm Kelsey. So we're back at it with another not to form episode. Another weird one. We keep yeah. saying this one is weird, but now I feel like it's just becoming our regular format. Right. We've done enough weird episodes that it's not that weird. And I think, you know, we said this at the end of our last episode, but in case folks didn't listen to our last episode, I mean, come on, guys. How dare they? Yeah. <laughs> we decided to do this episode because... You know, as we were going through our AO3 top 100 list, as we're thinking through the ships we wanted to cover, we noticed there weren't really any comedies. And that's just interesting. Yeah. Why aren't there any comedies? It at least feels worth talking about. What's the deal with that? Especially since you and I are both fans of lots of comedies and off the top of our heads could name many potential ships out there. Right. The format that we're going to have for this episode is we're going to walk through a number of potential ships in sitcoms and other comedy shows. And films. Oh, yes. And films. And I guess at a certain level, it's a little arbitrary, right? Because we've just selected these as things that stand out to us. But what we're really looking for and we're looking at are comedies that have intimate male friendships, that have a pair of of guys Mm -hmm. who seem like they would be ripe for shipping because of that intimacy that's built into the text. And yet. And yet. What's the deal? Very minimal fandom around all of these. I think the plan today is we're going to run through uh, a number of those potential ships and then just talk about theories as to why we think. So again, our grab bag episodes are kind of more speculative than our, our regular episodes. But I think this is going to be reminiscent of our fem slash episode where we're just sort of like spitballing about why it might be the case. Right. That there's less attention paid to comedies. Now, Maddie, you said it already, but are are you a fan of comedy? <laughs> I am indeed. Big fan of comedy. Always have been. Uh, you know, raised on all sorts of sitcoms, but I also... I'm a fan of a lot of older comedy films. I think you and I have talked before about how there like really aren't as many good comedy films these days. Yeah, (laughs) it's upsetting. We're not in a golden age of comedy at the moment, but it'll come back, I'm sure. At least in film. Right. Well, yeah, there's plenty of great comedic television out there. But that's just because we're in the golden age of television. (laughs) So there's great television of all sorts. But yeah, I think the idea is for us to start with Probably what were the ships that inspired the episode. So these are all ships that come from fairly recent comedies, either sitcoms or there is one one hour show that's very much a comedy and just run through the main ships from them and why we think, you know, they might be right to ship. (laughs) And I think as we go, instead of waiting until the end, we're going to start to apply our gender swap test to everyone as we as we talk about them. Right. And we're going to note, you know, how popular the fandom seems to be. So we pulled out AO3 stats for all of these shows and then the ships in particular. And yeah, mm-hmm. then we'll we'll get to theory. So should we dive in? Should we dive into the, the comedies we want to talk about? I think we should dive in. So these are, while we have sort of grouped them together, are not really in any particular order. So the first one on our list is Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Who is nine the nine? ship? Nine-Nine? <laughs> That uh, jumps out to you from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. So I think this is also right, sort of in keeping with centering on sort of the main character. And a lot of these comedies are obviously ensembles. But Jake Peralta is our our main character. And he is his very close buddy, Charles. They are so close. Right. (laughs) They're very intimate friends. Charles is extremely... I'm assuming a lot of people have seen the show. But if not, we'll give brief rundowns of each Mm -hmm. of these relationships. So they're both cops, they're detectives, they're partners. Charles is a bit overly devoted (laughs) to Jake. He's a little obsessed with Jake. Yeah, Jake, uh, like kind of the cool guy main character. And then Charles is basically his sidekick who's really obsessed with being his best friend. But they don't do that 
typical tropey thing where the cool guy one doesn't like to hang out with the more obsessed one. Right. Like they, they are friends. both really into their friendship with each other. It's yes. just that they both recognize that Charles has some boundary issues. <laughs> so of the shows and ships we're going to go through, this one actually has maybe the most overall fanfic. It does um, seem to have the most active fandom in terms of fan fiction writing of, I think, anything we're talking about today, yeah. which I guess makes it a fun thing to start with. Yeah. So as of the time of this recording, there were 5,100 total fix, but only 44 Jake and Charles. Yeah. So there's a lot contributing to this. I mean, first that comes to my mind is that the, the canon ship of Jake and Amy is a very popular ship in the yes. fandom. So that's where most of our fan fiction writing is created, is in the canon Jake and Amy ship world. But that said, 44 out of 5,100? Not a lot. For friends that are that obsessed with each other. <laughs> but if we gender swap them, Maddie. Who are we gender swapping? That's my favorite thing about the gender swap test is always like, who are we gender swapping? I feel like we're gen, well, there's, there. it goes in two ways, right? If you yes. gender swap, Jake, and then you've got this weird best friend guy that's too obsessed with her. You're sort of like. Ooh, that's creepy. Yeah, I don't know about this dynamic. <laughs> but then. If you gender swap the other way, you've got this cool guy main character and then this woman who's just weirdly clingy on to him. And that dynamic isn't amazing either. This is one of those occasions where I'm like, I don't know if I want the gender swap test. Yeah. And I think even if you did gender swap them, like let's say we have Charles becomes Charlie the lady. You would want Charlie to grow past her obsession for Jake and kind of become her own person. And yeah. I think in some ways that's actually what happens in the show and their dynamic because yeah. Charles ends up getting married and having his son Nicolas. Nicolas. But there is just something, their dynamic as two guys feels kind of sweet and wholesome because it's different than how you've seen that relationship between guys before yeah but when it's a woman it's kind of sad that she's so obsessed with him and then you're like just move on you don't need him <laughs> well that's so interesting to think about right because so much well one of the theories right of why people write slash fan fiction is because it shifts those power dynamics yeah and the power dynamic of a male female in this sort of relationship is not good either way but when you have it be two male characters you're like okay it's going to be still not like great but it's right. not as upsetting for sure yeah. well and that's interesting because it's like they've kind of fanficed it like they've taken that dynamic that you've seen before with men and women and changed it in this way that made it different and more interesting i don't know i don't know where a gender swap test leads us <laughs> really but no. i don't want to gender swap them i want to keep jake and charles jake and charles maybe that's what we're deciding in all of these cases do we want to gender swap them the answer no <laughs> our next pairing and this one i think there are probably a couple of pairings that could be talked about but there's one specific that jumps to mind and it is also a broadcast sitcom new girl where we have nick and schmidt best friends since college yes nick and schmidt are current roommates and we're college roommates Mm -hmm. And I would say in particular, Schmidt is also in love with Nick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but again, Nick doesn't rebuff Schmidt. No. He is occasionally seemingly, but this is the case with Jake too, kind of like overwhelmed by the amount of love that Schmidt has for him. Yes. <laughs> but he also definitely loves Schmidt. They have a very close relationship and are just very fascinating, unique people. Yes. <laughs> So overall, uh, a less popular show in, in fandom, at least on AO3, only 750 total fix, 30 of which are Nick and Schmidt. Which feels like a, a better ratio, I guess. Still not a lot of, of action happening. No. So I guess we gender swap again, though I feel like we've run into very similar, well, slightly different dynamics here. Because unlike the Jake and Charles relationship, Nick is... A real underachiever. He's kind of this like schlubby, not a lot of ambition, just sort of content to not have much happen to him in his life. Whereas Schmidt is type like a. very type A. Yeah. <laughs> so that's slightly different to their relationship, even though Schmidt is the one who is overly into Nick. I feel like though, so there's a part of Schmidt's backstory, which I don't know how well it's aged, where he was very overweight in college yeah. and then gets, you know, very quote unquote hot. He at least gets very ripped. Yes. And so I think that that's an 
interesting dynamic sort of either way for a male and female character that well it's very reminiscent of monica on friends yeah <laughs> that's probably where they took that storyline from. so once again they've already gender swapped it they've exactly. gender swapped it from a male and female character to two male characters maybe that's gonna be what we discover today Could be. every one of these relationships is just a gender swapped more fun version of a male female dynamic that you've already seen all right, moving on to our next, another comedy. This time we find ourselves in the world of community with Troy and Abed. In Troy and Abed in the <laughs> You guys, it's been a real struggle to not sing that every time we see their names together. Maddie, we put them in reverse order in the outline on purpose so we wouldn't have to sing the song. Well, I knew we were going to sing the song a little. Yeah, we we put them in song. reverse order in the outline so that we stopped singing their names every time we said them <laughs> while we were outlining. That's true. So it's really interesting, too, how many of these people live together because, you know, they were roommates. It's a trope. (laughs) They were roommates. Oh, my God. They were roommates. (laughs) I love that vine so much. So uh, the premise of community is it's a bunch of people at a community college. They form a study group and that's how they all meet. It's a ragtag group of different folks that you could only find all at a community college. This is the one I feel most in some ways most strongly about that, like, these two are in romantic love. I think they're very clearly (laughs) in romantic love. They become very close friends. They move in together. They are a couple. They're soulmates, man. Yes. So yeah, I mean, if people haven't seen it, the dynamic is Troy is this former jock, like, you know, famous, not famous, just like... (laughs) He was big man on campus. Yeah, big man on campus in high school. And now has not obviously gone on to play football for a great school. (laughs) He's here at this community college. And uh, having to focus on school for the first time, which is not easy. And then Abed is this film-obsessed, very interesting, perhaps, though I don't think they get into it, somewhere on the spectrum type of character. Yes. Who they just really, for some reason, click with each other. (laughs) And they live in this very interesting sort of fantasy world of their own creation. They have a, as we sang Troy and Abed in the morning, they have their own fake morning show together. They have this handshake that they do that everybody likes to copy. They're just like, so, so close. Yeah. Such close, close friends. I think this is, again, one of our our more popular fandoms of all the ones we're going to cover today. Not quite as popular as Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but 3,600 Told Fix Mm -hmm. and 1,400 Troy and Abbott. So this, I think, also within all the things we're going to cover is the most popular male-male slash ship. Yep. And Um, it is the number one ship of the community fandom. Which is appropriate. It is appropriate because I don't, I mean, who else are we really shipping? Like... Somebody with Jeff? Jeff? I don't yeah. think so. <laughs> yeah, if you gender swapped one of them, they're, I mean, they're they are in love. They're a couple. It's yeah. like... They're, well, they are. Because there's this interesting period of the show. Obviously, we said they, they live together. They move in together somewhat early on in the show, I think. And then there's this period where Annie, another person from their group, also moves in with them. Mm-hmm. And it just does such interesting things to their dynamic. <laughs> where it's like... She's there in all of these scenes where she normally wouldn't be. And she's like third wheeling on all of these Troy and Abed situations. And it just becomes even more apparent. Like, it's weird that she's here. And at one point, Troy starts dating another member of their study group, Britta. But he's also constantly choosing Abed over Britta. Of course. He doesn't have anything in common with Britta. So yeah, you could gender swap either of them and... Yeah, they're definitely... And I don't think I feel weird about the dynamic either way if they're gender swapped in this case. They are equally obsessed with each other. Yes, that's the thing about them. (laughs) There's no weird power dynamic between the two of them. They could not be more obsessed with each other, both of them. Yes. And honestly, our next uh, pair, I think also equally obsessed with each other. So a slightly older a sitcom, I feel like our next two are kind of the, our, were in our initial thoughts about like, these two characters are canonically in love. These two shows slash ships are the actual inspiration for this episode. So first up is Scrubs. Mm-hmm. It's JD and Turk. They love each other. They sing a song called Guy Love <laughs> about their love for each other. <laughs> I mean, again, they live together. They are yeah. constantly choosing each other. First, Turk gets married and Carla still has to accept that she is in many ways second fiddle. 
to yeah, JD. I mean, it's it's just like an accepted fact between the two of them and everyone in their lives that they are kind of the most important relationship to each other. And yeah. it's mentioned and, you know, joked about and whatever, but it is an ever present fact about the two of them. There's a part where I can't remember who says which. I think Turk says something about like our children, like in the future, our children. And JD's like, our children, we're not married. And Turk's like, we're a little married. <laughs> So 449 total fix for Scrubs. Only 13 JD and Turk. There are more JD and Janitor slash fix. So that's an amazing one. I uh, People who have watched the show will understand all of these dynamics. Yeah, there are obviously not a lot. There are 15, two more than there are JD. It's and true. Turk. But JD and Janitor is interesting because they have a pretty adversarial relationship. Yes. And speaking of adversarial... The much more popular ship in this fandom, apparently, and I don't remember, it must be the the most common, just looking at the numbers. I think it is. We didn't write that down. Is JD and Cox. And that's another one where it starts out at least very adversarial. Cox is his like mentor. Supervisor. Yeah, his supervisor, but but JD grabs onto him as his mentor. I guess we didn't say Scrubs is a medical yeah we didn't mention it they are residents when they start off so cox is his supervising doctor but anyway it's one of those situations where he's always trying to win cox over and cox is begrudgingly letting him a little bit closer to him over the course of the show so you know i get it ship dynamics and all of that that seems appealing to people who write fic but he's leaving aside jd and turk which they're just so in love yeah, I don't know if we said. So 252 J.D. Cox out of the 449 total. And then, yeah, yeah only 13 J.D. and Turk. 13! They're the main relationship of the show! And they're in love. And they're in love. <laughs> and they kiss twice in the show. Yeah. It's guy love, love between, between two guys. guys. Exactly. So that leads us to what, in my mind, is a very similar relationship. Uh, This is the one that's not a half hour, but it is clearly a comedy. It is the USA series Psych, which if you know, you know. Everyone I know has either seen and loves this show or I mention it and they're like, wait, is that that USA show? And you're like, yeah. The ship in this case are two main characters, Sean and Gus. They are childhood friends in this case. Oh, wait, did we gender swap JD and Turk? Oh, no. Wait, okay. Pause on psych. We're going back. JD and Turk. I mean, here's the thing. If you gender swap JD and Turk, they're getting married. The only reason that they have these other women in their lives is because they're straight dudes. Right. Who can't, you know, like, they love each other more than anything, but apparently not enough to to be, you know, physically intimate. Sure. <laughs> so they have these other women. But I, I feel like, in my mind... If JD and Turk are gender swapped, they're together. Yeah, there's no reason for them not to be. So yeah, Sean and Gus, I think are kind of in the same space, but only 221 out of those 3,081 fix are Sean and Gus. I guess we should say like what Psych is for people who don't oh, know. Oh, sure. The premise of Psych is that Sean is this kind of a slacker, but genius guy who has been trained from childhood by his detective father <laughs> to use these skills of of, you know, he has like an eidetic memory. And and so he just kind of wants to do nothing with his life and work 8,500 different jobs for like three days at a time. <laughs> and, and as his hobby in the beginning of the show, he'll occasionally see a murder or something on the news and solve it just because he notices stuff nobody else notices and call in and be like, this is the person that is your murderer. <laughs> you should go arrest them. So on one of these various cases, the police are suspicious because he knows so much about the crime and they think that he must be the murderer so to talk his way out of it he convinces the entire police station that he is a psychic right (laughs) and so then the premise of the whole show is he becomes a consultant for the police as a psychic and he has to keep pretending that he's not solving the crimes through his own like mental faculties and then Gus is his obviously best friend who keeps getting dragged into his nonsense he's a pharmaceutical rep and doesn't want anything to do with this. But Sean is always calling him out of work to come along on his hygiene. It's it's just it's just a great show. It's so funny. Seriously, if you guys haven't watched Psych, like unrelated to any shipping or whatever, <laughs> do yourself a favor and watch it. The the writing and the acting are just so good. And so, yeah, I just want to I came here today to just <laughs> tell everyone to watch Psych. 
but yeah, not the most popular pairing in the fandom. The most popular pairing is Lassie, Lassiter, who's the head detective at the police department, and Sean. And once again, they have a an adversarial relationship. So Lassiter is very distrustful of Sean and also just annoyed by his lackadaisical attitude. But yeah, it's like, I get it. People like enemies to lovers. I like enemies to lovers, but Sean and Gus just love each other so much. Yeah. And I think, like you said, if you gender swap one of them, like they're childhood friends, they're in love, they they would get together and it would be super sweet. So those were sort of the the recent comedies that came to mind. We had a couple of, of slightly older sitcoms that also popped to the forefront. So the first a show is Boy Meets World. Not a ton of fic. And again, like, you know, we've talked before about the recency bias. So I don't know with yeah. some of these older shows that it's so surprising that there's not a ton of stuff. 543 total fix, and we actually pulled out two potential ships from the show. Yeah, there are two good ones here. Boy Meets World is just a family sitcom. It's initially about the the Matthews family, which is uh, the brothers, Corey and Eric, and, you know, they go to school and they have school friends and it's school times. The main friendship unit of the early seasons of the show are Corey and his best friend, Sean. And then there is a wondrous, somehow, like unfathomable second half of the show where they go to college which is usually the death knell for these kind of sitcoms but with this show it only got better people (laughs) it got so much weirder and just like wackier yeah like that well because it starts with kids so they all get better at acting as the time that's true which you know isn't a surprise but also yeah the tone really shifts and eric who in the early seasons of the show, who's Corey's older brother, had been this pretty boring high school guy who's cool like guy. cool and goes out with a bunch of girls and thinks that his younger brother's kind of lame or whatever, like that sort of dynamic. All of a sudden in the college years becomes the strangest <laughs> character you've ever seen. <laughs> yes. So first half, but sort of throughout the run of the show is Corey and Sean and they are childhood friends. And then the other pairing is... Eric, the older brother, and Jack, who becomes his roommate in college again. A lot of roommates in college. A lot of roommates all over the place. This list is fraught with roommate situations. So there's 169 out of the 543, Corey and Sean. But I mean, right, if you gender swap swap Corey and Sean, that's Corey and Topanga. Exactly. (laughs) We haven't even mentioned Topanga. Corey and Topanga, they date basically like from middle school and get engaged at the end of high school. But yeah, you're right. If they're gender swapped, then there just wouldn't, there wouldn't be a best friend and a girl. There would be a best friend who's a girl. Right. (laughs) And it would, yeah. And then Eric and Jack, I mean, if they were, gender swapped and roommates they'd be getting up oh, to come some, on some interesting times on that show and then our next 90s sitcom is friends you may have heard of it yeah that <laughs> this is a little known one for the all of the niche sitcom viewers out there uh, but yeah friends we have chandler and joey yet again roommates huh. <laughs> what are they getting up to they are getting up to all manner of hijinks they share birds they have pet birds. They have these matching recliners that they both sit in and watch TV together. Mm-hmm. They're very close. They're, you know, constantly doing that 90s sitcom thing of like sharing an emotionally intimate moment and then having a like, Wait, this doesn't mean we're gay sort of, you know, yeah, thing at the end, which I think you can speak to because we found this very interesting uh, YouTube video about Chandler specifically. But before we, we talk about the YouTube video, so 899 total fix, yeah, which yeah. is interesting, even though Friends is an older sitcom, it's so popular. Yeah, it's just so popular that they had to have at least a few fix. Right. And 261 out of the 899 are Chandler slash Joey, which is, again, a pretty good ratio. Yeah. But yeah, so this video, it's by Matt Baum, and it's called The Straightening of Chandler Bing. It's a very fascinating YouTube video. Definitely check it out. And it's basically about how when they were initially developing the show, they were considering making Chandler gay. And there seemed to be remnants of that, I guess, in the pilot and then in also sort of subsequent episodes. So they ended up walking that back. They said something very interesting in the video as well of like if they had cast a gay actor, he would have stayed gay. But because they didn't, they made him straight. Wild thing to say. (laughs) Yeah. Still, that's interesting that some of that, I guess, persists in the show and potentially the characterization. 
Yeah, there's there's a lot of reference in the show to people thinking that Chandler's gay. So yeah, those are kind of our, our sitcoms. We can move into the world of, of film. Yeah. I don't know that we need to spend so much time on these. There's sort of a more modern era from like the mid-2000s into the 2010s of what I will call like romantic comedy and yeah. sort of the Judd Apatow, Will Ferrell era of comedy films so to list a few super bad that's a tiny little fandom we found 12 total thick there and zero of them are about seth and evan the two main characters basically all of the fic going on there side note is just about bill Hader. like there's a lot of bill Hader slash reader fic or like people just like bill Hader, which hey i get it fair then we have i love you man which is Jason Siegel and Paul Rudd. Also a movie just about male friendship. Another tiny one for Total Fic. Two of them are about the main guys, which 50%, not a terrible ratio. We have Wedding Crashers, which is best friend guys who spend their time going to weddings, crashing them. Three Total Wedding Crashers Fic, one about Jeremy and John. 21 Jump Street, they're uh, undercover narcotics officers in high school. That one has slightly more, 58 total fic, and 32 of them are about the shit between these guys, which is like, big guy, little guy. (laughs) Big guy, little guy, 100%. We will get into that later, but yeah, not to get into it now. Then we have Neighbors, which is, the ship is the two guys who live in the frat house next door, Dave Franco and Zac Efron. 29 total fic, 13 of them are about Teddy and Pete, their characters, and then I'm really running through these quickly because there's so many. Sure. Stepbrothers, Will Ferrell and John C. Riley. Four total fic there. Zero of them are about the guys. And it seemed that none of them had anything to do with the movie. <laughs> yeah, zero of them are also about the movie. They just it seems to be like a tagging error. Yeah, exactly. Just because they the phrase stepbrothers seem right. to apply. So yeah, can we discuss these as a group, as an era of comedy film? Right, again, these are all falling into this idea of these are very intimate male friendships. And there's definitely some physicality to a number of them. And it just was sort of this era of like, I don't know where it stems from, obviously, but not just the idea of wanting to celebrate male friendship, but this very different type of male friendship that is almost romantic. (laughs) Like, you know, leaning against typical ideas about masculinity and even heteronormativity in our relationships in a way that kind of parodied it kind of critiqued it kind of maybe reinforced things that it didn't mean to reinforce (laughs) but it just became very very popular all of a sudden to have these movies that were basically just about the internal lives and relationships of male friends (laughs) That's just a few of them. I'm sure everyone here listening can think of many, many more of this exact genre off the top of their head because they were everywhere for a while. In a similar vein and similar era, but coming to us from across the pond. Absolutely. (laughs) We have the uh, Cornetto trilogy from Edgar Wright, Simon Pegg, Nick Frost. So these three films... The pairing is always between Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. They're the leads, but it's Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End. Shaun of the Dead has 49 total fix, six between Ed and Sean. Hot Fuzz has 440 total fix, 281 of which are Nicholas and Danny, which is pretty good. And then The World's End has 131 total fix, and 38 are Gary and Andy. I kind of can't believe how many more fix there are for the world's end than Shaun of the Dead because the world's end is just like I think it's got to just be the recency thing I can't imagine it's anything other than that because Shaun of the Dead is great but yeah all of these films if you haven't seen them they are totally different stories totally different settings all of that but the leads are always Simon Pegg and Nick Frost and usually they're either start as friends or end up as friends like they're paired against each other in a unit yes so do we so, need yeah. to gender swap them? This is an interesting question, I guess. Sean of the Dead, who are we gender swapping? I mean, you can gender swap Sean and then it plays as like every trope of the sitcom couple that you've ever yeah. seen where there's the woman who's totally put upon and having to carry everything and then the guy who just sits around and asks for a beer. <laughs> right. 
I mean, you know, there's always the, there's always the question, right, with this gender swapping of are we falling into sort of heteronormative tropes of like if these two characters are together and living together, are they necessarily going to end up? But like, yeah, you just don't see dynamics where there's they're so I think with Hot Fuzz maybe more, right? Like it's really about their relationship and then learning to meet in the middle and come together. Yeah. So that one, yes. I think, I don't know. I don't know that I've seen a movie where a guy has a, a female roommate that he spends all his time with and then also another partner and then doesn't end up with a female roommate and we're just like, cool. But that's not to say there couldn't be one. I'm not saying that. So yeah, I think, yeah, maybe Hot Fuzz, they would have ended up together just because yeah. you're right. The structure of the film is such that it's all about making their relationship closer the whole way through. Right. And then... To enter our last phase, we're just going to take a tiny trip back through history, not too far, (laughs) just into like the 80s and 90s. Because yes, that while the romantic comedy did have its golden age 10 or 15 years ago or whatever, there there are roots to the phenomenon in films older than that. So we'll start, I guess, with Bill and Ted classic. That's a situation where there are 414 fic, which I think is pretty respectable for movies from the 80s although there was just a new one there was just a new one so yeah 292 of the 414 fic are bill slash ted next we have from ferris wheeler's day off ferris and cameron this ship appeals to me greatly sure yeah (laughs) i love ferris wheeler's day off and you sort of they have such a funny dynamic the two of them if you haven't seen it it's just about three high school friends a guy and his girlfriend and his best friend who all skip school one day because they just don't feel like going in where Ferris doesn't. Ferris is this beloved figure, beloved figure, happy-go-lucky sort of character where everything just goes his way. He's living the life of Riley or whatever that phrase is. But then his best friend Cameron is total pessimist. And then Ferris drags him out on this adventure. And so you are sort of left when you start to look back at, you know, who are ships we should be shipping from film history with the question of, why does Cameron always go along with everything that Ferris makes him do? <laughs> if he's in love with him, it makes sense. It makes total sense. But yeah, 150 total fix, 44 Ferris Cameron. A not insignificant amount. And we also found a fair amount of Ferris slash Cameron slash Sloan, who is Ferris's girlfriend. And we weren't sure how to feel about that. Because... Yeah, I immediately bummed myself out thinking about that. My initial thought was, oh, that's nice. But then yeah. my brain was like, I don't think Cameron wants that. Cameron actually interested in this threesome with Sloan? Or is he just taking what he can get from Ferris? <laughs> what it seems like. <laughs> that's sad. Let's not linger on that. Now, again, if Cameron is a girl and she's clearly in love with Ferris, but then Ferris has Sloan. That's a sad situation. That's really sad. And I could see it happening, but also I could see it, you know, him ending up with Cameron. Yeah. I mean, it's a classic Hughes love he triangle. He would start the movie with this girlfriend, Sloane, and then by the end realize that he's supposed to be with his best friend, obviously. Yeah. And then we move on to Clerks and Clerks 2, though we really could be discussing many of the Kevin Smith verse. Yeah. <laughs> because the first one that came to our mind was Jay and Silent Bob who are, those are some good best friends. Yeah. They only ever seemingly want to spend time with each other. They're always together. And they don't have a lot of interest in in ha- having any sort of relationship or interaction with people that are not each other. So obviously you don't get a ton of insight into their relationship because one of them is silent. <laughs> Too true. <laughs> but 56 total Jay and Silent Bob that we could find on AO3 tagged as like whatever movie because they're in basically all of his movies Mm -hmm. and then specific to clerks we have the main best friends from those movies dante and randall and they do have a very interesting relationship where like randall is the chill one and dante is always worrying about shit and he seemingly is trying to push randall away all the time but clearly something keeps them together through the years because they're still best friends in clerks too which is decades later yeah (laughs) and for them we have only 24 total clerks fic 12 clerks 2 so 36 total for all of clerks and then there are 13 total dante randall fic yes 10 from clerks three from clerks too i think i'm reading all of our notations correctly that is correct what was the final thing that came to mind maddie this is this is all you because i haven't seen this this is all me you haven't seen it but anyone who has will know that it fits right in the final thing that came to mind just from this slightly older film genre is swingers 
a classic bromance. It's Vince Vaughn and John Favreau, and the entire premise is John Favreau is sort of like kind of in a a mood because he has broken up with his last girlfriend. Things aren't going well for him in his career the way he wants him to be. And then he has Vince Vaughn, this best friend who wants to give him a good night. <laughs> so he'll feel, you know, better about himself. They're close friends. They struggle a little bit to be emotionally intimate. Like there's an element of that where he's really trying to support his friend in an hour of need. Mm-hmm. And we haven't quite reached the like Apatow era where they could sit down and talk about their feelings with each other. So there's just all of these layers of what will make him feel better is if I like take him out and get him drunk and help him hit on a woman. Right. <laughs> really, That's not that helpful for him. But that's another one about male friendship. It's a cute one. And there's no swingers fic on AO3. There is zero. Zero fic at all for swingers. That was a real bummer for me. You could dominate the swingers fic scene, Maddie. That's true. I should start writing fic and it will be swingers <laughs> Because there's got to be a market. Yeah. And I will monopolize it. So that's a lot. That is a lot that we just went through. The smorgasbord of potential couples that people could be shipping and are... Seemingly not to a very large degree. Obviously, some of these a bit more popular than others. Some of them take up more space within the total fit community. But Mm -hmm. I think overall, still, right, none of these, in some cases, very popular current sitcoms seem to have a large transformative fandom around them, at least in terms of fic writing. So independent from the shipping and slash elements, it's also interesting to me that that doesn't seem to come along as much with comedies. So what are some ideas that either we had or we discovered in our research to potentially explain why comedy isn't creating a bunch of transformative fandom? So sort of our first theory is there's like something about the structure of comedy that just doesn't lend itself to an active transformative fandom. There are a lot of things that could contribute to this. There's sort of the idea of like comic distance. My understanding of comic distance is, and we can post an article I was reading about this, is Mm -hmm. you need to be separate from the characters in order to laugh at them. So if you are truly empathizing with the characters, you will not find their situations funny because it's just like too horrifying. And obviously (laughs) people have different thresholds for that. Some people really struggle with super cringe comedy yeah that's my understanding of sort of the concept of comic distance if that's a term people aren't familiar with which could inhibit you from wanting to spend time either i guess writing or reading about their internal lives yeah we also have the idea that comedy is more about the performer than the character really if i'm watching a will ferrell comedy right i'm not creating in my mind this full new character that he's portraying you're sort of always thinking about him as being will ferrell (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. And I, I just wonder, too, about the translation from a visual media to a written media, if so much of what the character is, is in the performance, right? It's in the timing, it's potentially in the facial expressions or the body language. And then how do you effectively translate that to text? Yep. And can you? Right. And speaking of the difficulty of translating, I think there's also just this element of comedy in general being something that's very hard to write. Yeah. It's you know, hard for like a novice person <laughs> to be good at writing comedy. And it's hard for me to imagine that if you're watching a comedy and wanting to write thick of it, that you would not want it to be this be funny, right? These are funny characters who say and do funny things. And if you write this fic about them where nothing funny happens, are they really the same characters? I don't you know? Yeah. So yeah, that kind of lent itself to another thought we had about if a character has to be funny within the fic in order for them to be that character it kind of limits the genre of fan fiction that you're potentially able to really write about those characters like what is jake peralta like in a angst comfort fic yeah that's not funny yeah it would have to be funny like i can imagine a hurt comfort scenario for jake peralta but it, yeah i can't imagine one that's not funny yes you know that's one theory one theory structure of comedy another theory which I think will resonate with people, perhaps. Are the guys of comedy just not hot enough? Yeah. So what does that mean? We know that, right, one of the theories, at least of slash fan fiction, is it's just about two hot guys 
being hot together. And I think we certainly see this in the ships that we've covered to a greater or lesser extent. But yeah, I think the way I phrased the question to you is like, on average, are comedy actors less hot? And like, we have no way of... You'd be surprised how difficult it is to research that particular question. You can't plug into Google, on average, are comedy actors less hot? And Google spits out like, yes, on average, comedy actors are 35% less hot. And you go, oh, wow, thanks, Google. Thanks, Google. What we can quantify more easily and, and is kind of related to this, though not exactly well hold on before we we get into into this next part some of them are certainly less ripped like not across the board quantifiable yes there seem to be less crunches involved in the workouts of many of these actors right there's some exceptions but often it's only one of the pair like donald glover's pretty ripped although i don't know how ripped he was when he did community i feel like he's gotten more ripped in recent Uh, years to say but yeah usually both characters are not you know it's not an mcu movie No, definitely not. Though there are the occasional crossovers from the MCU into the comedy world. Paul Rudd, anybody? Yeah, but he's less ripped in in this comedy movies. Yep. He got real ripped for those MCU movies. That was a shocking Paul Rudd. When he has his shirt off and you're like, wow, look at those ass, Paul Rudd. Nice. I feel like that proves it. Comedians have to get ripped to go do non-comedy movies. Kumail Nanjiani. Kumail Nanjiani, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but also uh, Chris Pratt, right? Yes, comedy he role? was not ripped on Parks and Rec. I think we're yeah. developing a theory. Uh-huh. Okay, <laughs> yes, but more quantifiable than how hot on average are these actors. <laughs> and something we've already talked about a lot in earlier episodes of the show. Are the guys of comedy not white enough for people to be shipping them is the question. Because looking back at all of these people we've talked about, they are noticeably less white, I think, than the ships that we have discussed so far on the show. Yeah, we have a number of mixed race pairings or non-white, non-white pairings, whereas I think the only non-white, non-white pairing we've covered has been Finpo. There's mm-hmm. been a couple other of instances where at least there's one non-white person. Leverage as a non-white person. Yep. Um, but suffice it to say, as you're potentially looking this up, particularly I think in the more the more recent shows, I don't know if like comedy has moved into having more diverse casts. Or if it's just a lot of sitcoms tend to be around young, hip people in major metropolitan areas. So it makes sense that, you know, there's people of different races. But yeah, particularly in our our recent comedies, a lot of non-white people. And then we notice something else, which I had not picked up on before, which is even with our our quote unquote white guys, a lot of those white guys in the comedies are Jewish. Yeah, like a lot of them, a noticeable amount, more than half. Right. So non-Western European white guys. Yeah. And when we looked back at the list of ships we've covered so far, not including the, sh- the ships we're not going to cover, because we're not going to cover them. We didn't go through all those. Yeah, that didn't happen. I don't know what episode you're talking about. As far as we can tell, not a single Jewish person. None. Zero. Crazy. Now, to be fair... And we did not plan this, but we did look forward at our list of upcoming episodes. And our next two episodes will both be featuring Jewish actors. Yes. What are the odds? So spoiler alert. I know we usually say at the end of the episode, next week we're doing Hawaii Five-0 and Scott Kahn is half Jewish. Mm -hmm. And then we've talked already that we are going to be doing Star Trek Kirk and Spock and William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy are both Jewish. And we learned Chris Pine is a quarter Jewish. But as yeah, far as the, we can the tell. The rebooted version has gotten a bit less Jewish, but yeah. it's still there. That's so, it. Yeah, it is interesting that we counted up 14 of the 24 ships, I think we did 24, that we talked about earlier. 14 of them have at least one Jewish actor. Yeah. Which is wild. And only seven of the ones we've discussed are a non-Jewish white guy slash a non-Jewish white guy. And of those seven, three are Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. (laughs) So keep that in mind. Obviously, there's the phenomenon of less attention being paid to non-white actors and characters in fandom Mm -hmm. and shipping circles. And I just don't know if there's been any discussion about Jewish actors. Well, there hasn't been any discussion because there also haven't been any Jewish actors. Yeah. I just don't know if anyone's noticed that phenomenon, but... We have now because... So, you know, something to consider. I mean, 
we don't know what's going on. No, well, we never know what's going on. That's true. Who do you take us for? But white guy, white guy does seem to be like the most, if you're talking about most favorable conditions for shipping, white guy slash white guy is the most favorable condition for any ship. Another potential explanation, probably the first one that leaped into my mind when we first started thinking about this, Mm -hmm. is that perhaps these characters are already allowed to be emotionally intimate in the show and so there's not a lot of desire or room or need to expand upon it in the fic so characters that we've discussed like jd and turk from scrubs or sean and gus from psych or nick and schmidt from new girl or like anybody from those comedies we first talked about they're really telling each other their feelings all the time. It's true. (laughs) There's not a lot left unsaid in those relationships. And yes, a lot of it is played for comedy because they're comedies. But in my mind, it's sort of the only last, like the last step would be to just write them sleeping with each other, I guess. But that's really all there is to do. (laughs) Because you don't have a lot of like, I don't need stories about how they realize they're in love with each other. They're already in love with each other (laughs) on the show. Right, yeah. It's again that, potential theory of of slash fic that the the goal is to change these like very plot based shows or movies or what have you into these moments where you can really see the characters and their experiences and yeah if we're already getting that from the show maybe you don't need to write it into a fic because you can just watch the show another theory that i guess kind of jibes with what we have talked about so far is comedy is usually more episodic and less serialized so you're dealing with these episodes that are only about one specific plot and then it ends at the end of the episode and the next episode is about something completely different so maybe there's this idea that it's harder to latch on to these characters when you're not following them in a serialized story arc yeah i think you know obviously this is not always the case but a lot of what we covered right has quite a bit of of canon to it and ongoing storytelling so you are getting sort of larger character arcs and certainly in in these shows you still get character arcs to a certain extent another potential explanation is maybe a lot of these comedy characters don't fall into our favored ship dynamics our common ship tropes obviously we've talked a fair amount about enemies to lovers in this the couple of of ships on this list we discussed that were getting any traction at all seem to be enemies to lovers type ships right a lot of these characters show up already as good friends so there's not mm-hmm. this again this arc where you're seeing them necessarily change their dynamic very much yeah their dynamic is what it is and it stays that way over the course of the whole show right we all have our beloved big guy little guy yep that's one of our favorite tropes and uh you've called it out for at least one of them that exists here Certainly, in all these cases, one actor is taller, one actor is wider. But yeah, I don't know that you you get the same. This, as we've discussed, big guy, little guy is not really about physicality; it's about a state of mind. So yeah. that isn't as common, yeah. Right, and I guess the thing too, right? Big guy, little guy is also in some ways coded with like motor mouth, stoic guy, and a lot of these comedies don't have a recurring straight man who's always serious everyone's comedic as we've already discussed another of these slash tropes is idealized bodies which you don't see as much of in these comedy ships yeah uh, that gets a little bit back to guys not hot enough guys not hot mark. <laughs> what doesn't lead into this is being friends buddies sort of situation is a trope for slash fic but it doesn't seem to work as one here yeah <laughs> it needs to be buddies with less overt emotional discussions about their their feelings and them being together the buddies all the time. need to to keep some things to themselves so that we can explore what those things are in right. our fiction but maddie we left one ship for the end one ship who we feel fits into like at least the first three of these tropes enemies to lovers question mark in the fic maybe who's to say big guy little guy and idealized bodies i don't know why we came across this. I think we were reading a list of like bromances and Phil. <laughs> I don't know. What is it, Kelsey? Tell me. It is Kuzco and Kronk from the Disney classic Emperor's New Groove. It's such a classic. And it is probably the funniest to Disney movie out there. Kuzco is our main character. He is the emperor of the title. And he, through a bunch of hijinks, gets turned into a llama. Yeah. (laughs) So this guy, Pacha, who's a villager, 
is on this journey with him to get back to the uh, the palace so that he can be unlamified, and so that his his former assistant Isma doesn't take over. Right, that she's the one who's turned him into a llama to get him off the throne, so she can seize the throne. Kronk is her right hand man, Muscle, who is a little bit dumb, but he's a himbo. Just a, a, he's a himbo, absolutely. But a lovely boy. How he ended up working for Yzma, I'll never know. <laughs> he has such a good heart. But the two of them definitely have big guy, little guy going on. Enemies to lovers going on. And, I mean, idealized bodies. If you've seen the animation for Kronk. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's huge. So muscular he's and tall. Massive. So I love that chip. In the, in the A3 world, there are 158 total fic for Emperor's New Groove. Nine of them are Kuzco Kronk. Ten of them are Cusco Pacha, which, I mean, I guess makes sense because the two of them are together for the length of yeah. the Yeah, and I think and... that was actually the pairing that was in the original list we we read, but Pacha's happily married with kids, and it's like, let's not let's not do that when Kronk's he right there. He has such a great relationship with his wife, and yeah. he, there's no way I'm breaking them up so that he can be with, with Cusco, yeah. when Cusco could so easily be with Kronk. But what delighted me was this other ship we didn't even know to, to be interested in shipping. <laughs> That emerged in the fic, which is Kronk's shoulder angel slash Kronk's shoulder devil. Yeah. So Kronk has a re- recurring thing where he talks to his literal shoulder angel and shoulder devil. And they have a they have a real bantery relationship themselves. They really do. I mean, such chemistry. They're both versions of like little tiny versions of Kronk. But one of them is right. like, dressed like an angel and one like a devil. And but the other thing that's really interesting to me about this ship, thinking about it, is I think you can think about both Cusco and Kronk as being queer-coded characters, because Cusco yeah. is very flamboyant little guy, and then Kronk is this very sweet, yes, big guy, but he loves to cook, he talks to animals. He makes spinach puffs. They're just so great. I love everyone anyway, in that movie. It's a great movie. Everyone should watch it. So we had a bit of back and forth about, like, should we read a fan fiction this week? Obviously, in the Fem Slash episode we just asked folks to like send us things we liked but i think we did want to get a sense of like what how fan fiction was operating around these comedic ships so we each chose one of these properties to to look Mm -hmm. into the thick of and i think we're gonna talk about it a little bit we we don't know which it's a surprise fandom the other one chose but maddie do you want to go first oh sure So I read a bunch of things because I just wanted to get like a little sampler platter of the different ships and see what was going on in the various places. And um, I mean, unsurprisingly, some was good, some was bad. It is what it is. It's kind of a grab bag out there. And, And I did find myself wanting the comedic voices of the show, which were not always captured. So the reason that I am bringing to you the fic that I am bringing to you is I feel like it has done a good job capturing the the voices of the show. And also, it's just like so in character and in tone for the show that I feel like it could have happened in the episode. And it is actually a not really a fix it fic, but like a little continuation on an episode of the show. So I am coming to you with a fic about Nick and Schmidt from New Girl. Okay. And it is a continue, like an episode tag of uh, episode 218, Tinfinity, the episode about them celebrating their 10-year anniversary, which mm. is the 10th anniversary yes. of their friendship. So it's just the end of the night after their party, Jess and Winston have left, and the two of them are just sitting in the hot air balloon that doesn't work that <laughs> Nick has rented for them, reminiscing about their friendship. But then it introduces this idea that Schmidt, for apparently years of their friendship, ha- keeps trying to kiss Nick as like an expression of his affection for him. But Nick okay. doesn't like it because yeah. he's Nick and like doesn't care about physical affection. So Schmidt's voice is just great in this. He's trying to badger him into letting him kiss him so that he can tell him how much he appreciates him and he goes on this rant about like i'm a physical person nick i exist in my body i have to use it to to express myself or whatever so he basically badgers nick into kissing him once he's like okay fine and so he kisses him he gives him this light peck and it's not gonna work and then schmidt of course is like what is this the fourth grade kiss me like a man (laughs) so they're both drunk they end up making out a little bit more than they anticipated and Mm -hmm. then they sort of just leave and decide they're not going to talk about it anymore, you know? Okay. It sort of ends with them just walking home and being like, we're not going to talk about that, but 
nobody else understands our friendship. It is what it is, which felt very of the two of them. (laughs) Schmidt is so strange and no one has a friendship like the two of them. But what I liked about it was just Schmidt in particular sounded like Schmidt of the Mm. show. Like I could hear Max Greenfield saying every line of (laughs) Schmidt's from it. So that was a fun time. It is a thick, I guess I didn't even say, called Anniversary by... I'm going to say Desdemone, like Desdemona without an A, but it could okay. be Desdemon or Desdemon and they're French. I don't know, <laughs> but we will post this fix so everybody can find it anyway. So I, I enjoyed that. That was a good time. What did you read? So I decided to dive into the Scrubs fic because it was so sort of minimal. So I read all seven Ooh, JD seven. slash Turk alone. It's a thriving fandom. Honestly. And they were all very short. So mm-hmm. the shortest one was 100 words. Which I is mean, that is a micro fic. Pretty short. The longest one, My Giant Dong, uh, was <laughs> 6,071 <laughs> words. Wow. But it was interesting. I think... A little bit to a point you made earlier, a lot of it was just the fucking part. Because what else is there to do? What else is there to do? Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think also to your point, a lot of it was like, this doesn't seem like these characters at all. Like the, the, my giant dong, which is the 6,071 words one. Which of them has the giant dong? JD. It's a subversion (laughs) of your expectations. I did have to know. But like JD's very confident and he's confident. he's the like it's it's told from Turk's perspective, which is interesting because I think that was the only one that was told from Turk's perspective. I guess that makes sense because you're so in JD's perspective in the show. Right. But JD is really in control and driving the ship and it's like this isn't like JD at all. Like I don't no. know. There was one from that was also first person from JD, which I was like, this doesn't sound like JD. I at don't all. like first person. Yeah. So not as bad as second person, but that's true. That's true. (laughs) My favorite of the ones that I thought got closest to emulating the voice of of the characters is uh, a 1700 word fic called My Gay Jungle Fever uh, by (laughs) Typic Robots that kind of goes into the, the two times they they kissed and then the third time they kiss where they actually, you know, end up confessing their love to each other. But yeah, that one does get this voice. I think Again, to the point of can this fic capture the comedy of the show or what the show is, right? None of them include fantasy sequences or JD wandering off in his brain, which is so yeah. much of, especially as Scrubs develops, what that show is. Mm-hmm. So that's lacking from the fic. But yeah, it, it was a lot of just like, ah, uh, they're fucking because that's clearly the natural extension, but not too yeah. much. I mean, I don't know how you write an episode of them confessing feelings for each other that are feelings they haven't already confessed for each other on the show. Yeah, a lot of the fics are like, of course, they had said I love you to each other a million times, but this time it was this different. This time you really meant it. <laughs> this time it was also sexual. So yeah, it was it was interesting to to dive in. But yeah, not a, not a lot going on there necessarily. Right. Well, a quick little dip into the fanfic world i love comedy i don't know i love comedy so much but i also don't know that i am like that sad that there isn't a lot of fanfic about it because i just don't know that i need it i just think it's interesting i just it's just an interesting phenomenon whether or not i don't know that you can apply shoulds to like any of this right like should there be more i don't who am i I to say who am i to say in particular yeah but you know we had our theories who's to say if any of them are right if none of them are right if they're all right let us know if any of them resonate with you we can't say but it is it's just hard to translate comedy and you want to watch those performers perform like as much as it's great to read like if someone really captured james or rodriguez's voice and put it into text i still don't think that's as fun as watching him i mean you do get to I definitely am imagining him like when you have a comedic actor that's so specific and great and like you can hear their voice in your head when you're reading it. It would get me 70% of the way there to enjoying it right if they really captured the voice of Sean. But you're Mm -hmm. right. It's never going to be the same as watching him. And sometimes these performers just make even when you can hear their voice, they're still making choices in the moment where you're like. Nick Miller, what are you ever doing? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Well, I think that about does it for this week. What are we? We've already said what we're talking about in two weeks. Yeah, we're talking about Hawaiian 5.0. 
CBS procedural. That's where we're going. Which I have not watched any of yet, but we'll have watched. It's another one where I'm going to watch several episodes and then yeah. we're going to talk and the, about it. And the clock's a ticket, so. It is. But yeah, we'll get it more into that once you have seen any of it and have any thoughts about it at all. In the meantime, we do ask for your thoughts, your feedback, your questions, your comments, concerns. If you have any thoughts about this episode. Here's a question oh, that we a question already. never looked into or have a hard time researching. Is this like the theory with Fem Slash 2? Like, is there different kinds of transformative work oh. happening other than written fan fiction? Or if you're like, yeah. Yeah. Dummies. If people are like in, you know, Scrubs fandom and, you know, we're just idiots and didn't know that it's actually all about the fan art or something, tell us. Because <laughs> yeah. that's fascinating. If you would like to tell us anything, please do email us at ltbkpod at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter and Tumblr at ltbkpod. And if you're enjoying this fic, please do tell a friend. You said if you're enjoying this fic. Oh, we're not writing fic. If you're enjoying this podcast, this is fiction of uh, like a life that I'm imagining for myself. If you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with a friend, loved one, coworker, boss, maybe not. I don't know. Anybody who you think might be interested, have them give it a listen. And and new episodes of The Bot come out at 6 o'clock Eastern every other Friday. 